Welcome to The Paleo View. I'm Stacey Toth of paleoparents.com. You might also know me as the broth lady or the inventor of the hashtag more vegetables than a vegetarian. I'm the co-author of several paleo cookbooks, including Eat Like a Dinosaur, Beyond Bacon, Real Life Paleo. I like to talk about health at any size and self-love and personal acceptance. Specifically, I have a love for lifting heavy things. If you're interested in finding more out about that, you can also find me on Strongwoman Radio. And I'm Dr. Sarah Valentine with PaleoMom.com. I'm the New York Times bestselling author of The Paleo Approach and The Paleo Approach Cookbook. I'm passionate about nutrient density and the intersection of diet and lifestyle with health. Which really means I just love talking about science. News and views, where Sarah and I catch up, you get to listen to our gossip. was your vacation it was actually a vacation which totally surprised me because i brought my computer and totally intended on you know working for an hour while the kids played quietly and ate breakfast in the morning and then working for a couple hours after they go to bed in the evening and then i got the flu (laughs) the day before going um and it was the exact same like it i'm very clearly I mean, we didn't actually test for influenza. I don't know 100%, but it like is exactly the influenza that's going around here that I know have friends who've been had their kids tested and been like, yep, that was it. Um, And my kids had had it a week before. And I thought, you know, a whole week goes by and I'm like, all right, like I didn't get that. Yay me. And then I um, woke up same as they did in the middle of the night with such a sore throat. It was so sore I couldn't sleep and a fever. And then I got up and made their lunches and was like, I got to start canceling things. I can't function like this. And I went back to bed and then I could not get out of bed for the whole day. This was the day before we're supposed to like hop in the car to drive for two days to Southern Florida. And so I I was like, you know, my kids are like, can we still go on the trip? I'm like, I don't know. Like both of my kids were, were like – one was two days and one was one day. Like they were, it was both for them really fast, but really intense. I was like, if I follow the same path as you guys, then we should be good. Um, but I, I just, I could not, I couldn't get out of bed. Everything hurt. I was running a fever. My throat was super sore. I felt um, nauseous, but I was like thirsty. So I was like, just like sucking on ice chips all day. It was really pathetic. I was running 102 degree fever, which for an adult, like that's, that's crazy town. And, um, I, everything hurt. And I was super tired. And I basically, I couldn't even read a book. I couldn't watch TV. Like I couldn't, I didn't have that any focus at all. And so it was this complete like day that was just horrible and was really would have been better if it never happened. And then the next, my fever broke overnight the next night and I got up in the morning and everyone's, everyone's like tiptoeing around me because like whether or not we go on this trip, has to do with how I feel. I said, well, look, let I, why don't I just start packing and I'll go slow and I'll take breaks. And if I get too fully packed by like two or three o'clock in the afternoon, which we could still pull this off, then we'll go. And if I can't, then we'll try again tomorrow. And that's just how this will go. Um, and 
sure enough, you know, as I got moving, I was feeling better and better. And by the time we got in the car, I was feeling, I, you know, tired, but like, like I couldn't believe that I couldn't get out of bed the day before. And so we managed to, to, to go. And I even did some of the driving and, um, we drove our, our two days down. My husband had a conference in Southern Florida. So, uh, and it happened to be at the kids spring break. So it, it seemed like a no brainer to go along with them. And then by the time we were there, I felt totally fine. And, um, we just, you know, hung out on the beach. We had a wild dolphin encounter. Um, we just played and my husband did dorky science work stuff. And uh, then we'd all meet up for dinner and it was a, an amazing, amazing vacation. But there was something about being sick right before that made me feel really motivated to make the vacation a vacation and not try to um, multitask. And so I just I didn't even open my Word document that is my next book. Didn't even didn't even open it. Wasn't even a thing. There was like a brief check in with my team to make sure. There wasn't any huge catastrophes, and that's one of the amazing things about having a team is that, you know, if you didn't know I was on vacation and you were following my social media, you might not have known. Um, but it was, uh, yeah, it was delightful. I, a wild dolphin touched me. It was kind of freaky. <laughs> it was I was like, wait a minute, they're carnivores. And it just... Not, not for you. They're not interested just, in you. It, I was thinking it was just messing with me. It like swam up to me under the water and the the um, river was overflowing. So the water was, um, I mean, people were calling it murky. I don't know if murky was quite the right word, but you couldn't see down. You're like, you couldn't see like your feet, even if you were standing at waist deep. And so it like swam in the water and just like nudged my leg to make me scream. And then it turned around and I felt its tail nudge my leg and then it crested about 15 feet away. And I was just like so happy that I was between the dolphin and my kids. I don't know why. It was just like mama bear instinct. And it was one of those things that the more time passed, the more I realized just how amazingly cool that experience was. <laughs> but it was uh, it was kind of scary because it was a wild animal touching my leg under the water when I couldn't see it very well. Um, so I might I might have I might have screamed a little bit. <laughs> I might have, I might have, something just touched my leg. Yeah, it might have. Yeah, it might have been that. Um, but it was really amazing. So one day, at the, one morning that we were at the beach, um, there was a I couldn't tell exactly how many, two or three dolphins, a little, a little tiny family group that were going up and down the coast uh, following. There was um, these shoals of Atlantic herring that was amazing, too, because you could see them in the waves. So the wave would come up and it would just be full of fish. So that was really cool when the shoals would go by. But um, yeah, it was it was lovely. I love the ocean. It's my favorite thing. Um, it wasn't the Pacific Ocean. So but I, I'm sure the Pacific Ocean will forgive me for enjoying the Gulf Coast slightly a lot because it's like sandy beaches and warm water and sun, which uh, anyone from the Pacific Northwest knows uh, that side of the Pacific Ocean is not like that all that often. <laughs> <laughs> so um yeah but it was it was lovely and it ended up being very restorative it was just a lot of sunshine and a lot of play and fun and outdoors time and beautiful endless horizons and dolphins touching your leg <laughs> and uh and yeah so it it was really wonderful and um we ended up you know it was our 
third vacation ever that we've taken as a family that wasn't to visit family or friends. And I don't even know, like, it was for my husband's work. So I don't even know if, like, I'm still counting it. <laughs> I'm still counting it. And uh, it had us the whole trip home going, like, we should do this more often. You know, it doesn't have to be, you know, driving for two days and staying in a hotel by the beach every time. I mean, that was a, a lovely, a lovely thing that we were able to do because of the conference. But, um, you know, it just kind of, it made us go like, oh, you know, we really need to make more time for, for these types of experiences. Um, the kids were delightful, except for that one, except for that one time, which we won't talk about. There was one moment. You, kids have a hard time being delightful for eight straight days. There, there was, there was, there was a moment, but, um, if there's only one, you're doing well. Yes. No, there was one epic, epic fail, but then, you know, yeah, it was lovely and, um, such a beautiful, beautiful area of the country. And, um, yeah, it was amazing. Uh, so I now I feel like I'm bragging. How was your week? Um, I had a good, good week. I have been really crazy, super busy at work. And traveled, um, then got a little under the weather myself, but, um, doing, doing much better. And honestly, given the fact that I like, first of all, I went to an ER room because Finn fractured his elbow and then like exposed myself to those germs and then work traveled, didn't eat paleo, didn't sleep well. Um, I can't, I can't think why in the world my body would have gotten sick. I just can't imagine. Um, no, but so I, um, we're doing, we're doing well. We had a really good weekend. We just vegged out and made some recipes for the blog, which is fun. We periscoped Chop Jr., which is evidently a thing that the kids want to do every week now. Um, we pulled out like three random ingredients and put them in a mystery basket. I'm using quotation marks. And um, Finn and Cole had 30 minutes to make a dish, and then whoever won got $6 because that's what we had in Matt's wallet. <laughs> and that was super you, fun. You periscoped the whole thing? I did. Yeah. Uh, epic. That was fun. Um, and yeah, so we just vegged out, recovered, you know, feeling better, that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's it's weird. It's, it's like that sea. It's like that season of everything is going around for everyone. You this know? has been a very bad year. Um, and I think it's, I, I think it's worthwhile having a, I mean, it's not related to what we're going to talk about today, but I think it's worthwhile having at least two minutes of commentary because I feel like it's really important to be just frank and honest and, um, not pretend to be a superhero. Um, I think that part of sharing my health journey, which is part of what I do. I mean, a lot of what I do is science and resources and stuff, but a lot of it is just like, you know, how I'm continuing to, to tinker and continuing my search for optimal health and the higher, you know, the healthier I get, the higher I want to raise the bar, right? And it's it's just this moving target of, well, now I've achieved this amazing thing. Now I want this next thing. And I think that that's a little bit of just how health journeys tend to go. Um, we tend to start with very, um, I, and I think it's good. I think it's good to sort of start with small achievable goals and then 
reevaluate as those goals are reached. But um, I get sick far less frequently than I did pre-paleo. Pre-paleo, I got everything and I was always sick for weeks. I was on antibiotics many times per year. Um, I was on steroids nearly constantly. Um, And, you know, I've had a hard year. I've had two really major infections this year. And I have to, like, this year, like, 2016. So that's only three and a half months into the year. And so, you know, I think there's this optics of people go, well, if you're getting sick, then, you know, paleo must not work. And I kind of want to just sort of emphasize that there's 36 years of my life pre-paleo that caused damage and, you know, three, depending on how you count them, four autoimmune disease, four, four, yeah, I have a lot of autoimmune diseases. I don't know how if you want to count them. Um, And, um, and there's, there's a lot of stuff that I am still trying to, uh, to, reverse, right? So I'm phenomenally healthy. I've maintained 120 pound weight loss for for five years now. Um, I am only on one prescription medication, whereas I used to be on six. And, um, and, it, and the one that I'm on is a functional medicine approach. Like it's it's a huge, tremendous difference, but it doesn't make me invincible. And I think that the fact that I've, you know, was able to bounce back from the flu, I think, is a really good thing. Although my kid, my kids did it too. I know other people in um, in our neighborhood that were sick for weeks. So, you know, I think that it's important to not not have unrealistic uh, expectations about paleo. It's an amazing strategy, but it it's not a cure all. It doesn't make us um, impervious to things like viruses. Um, And even with autoimmune disease, it doesn't mean you can be eating the most perfect autoimmune protocol paleo diet. And if the other things, you know, if you get stressed, if you get a bad infection, it can still derail things. And I think it's really important for people to understand that it's a journey. It's not, it's it's a lifelong commitment to a way of eating and living that supports optimal health. But it, it's there's no warranty, um, and it doesn't mean that we can't continue to tinker. It doesn't mean that sometimes uh, it's a bit of a moving target and we need to adapt. Um, but I think it's really important to kind of say, "Yeah, I got sick. I got sick. It was awful. I got better. I'm happy. <laughs> I'm happy that I got better. If I had needed medical intervention, I would have gotten it." Um, and uh, and it doesn't change my dedication to this way of eating and living. Um, to echo that, while I don't enjoy being sick and do not <laughs> want to be sick ever, um, you know, we're we're on a platform where you're also hearing from us every single week of of the year, and so we sometimes there's highs and sometimes there's lows and that's just kind of the way it is with life if we're honest and open with with our listeners versus you know pretending that everything is always awesome because as we all know that's just not life and if if that's being represented to you then i can't imagine that someone is being 100% honest and i mean that just that's what it is i'm not trying to be 
you know, the next famous, I don't know, is it Jillian Anderson? Who, whoever, like one of those famous people are that portrays health all the time. Like this is, this is real life and we try to inspire you all to live your best life. For me, I used to get upper respiratory infections, um, bronchitis at least two to three times a year. And at least one of those times it would turn into pneumonia every single year uh, before I was paleo. And this is only the second one that I've gotten in six years. And I can point to exactly what happened and why. And, you know, I, I made the choice to go with my son into the ER because his arm was broken. And I made a choice to go on a business trip and eat not home cooked meals for three days because it was important for my career. And, you know, I stayed up late, both from a business and a socialization perspective on that trip. And I could literally feel it. Like I, you know, there's, there's usually a moment where I start to feel that come on and I focus on, you know, kombucha and bone broth and vital proteins. And I, um, I'll sleep 12 hours in one day and I usually feel myself get over it. Like I can, I can listen to my body at this point. And, um, I didn't have the opportunity to do those things because of what ha- was happening in my life. And so I I literally told the people that I worked with, I was like, I'm going to get sick next week. <laughs> Just giving you a heads up. Um, but such is life. And I, I like you, I just don't think that it's, um, I just think there's a lot of like guilt and shame around a whole lot of things that people do or, or think in their lives, either for themselves or for others. And I, I just think it's a silly waste of time and I'm trying not to participate in those activities anymore because it doesn't add value to my life. actually think that that really accidentally became a really great segue into um, the question that we're going to to talk about today, because I think that one of the things that has become, um, we've talked about it on the show before, but it's one of the things that's really permeated the paleo community fairly recently is this very um, judgmental attitude. And I think a lot of it comes from um, the the bigger that paleo gets, the more attention it gets. And I think that as it gets more attention, it's also drawing more criticisms, most of which I think um, misrepresent what paleo is. Um, but it's really interesting to sort of watch. Like, did you see that Fitbit published a thing against the paleo diet? And their whole argument was it's too hard when you travel, so people shouldn't be paleo. <laughs> Right? I was like just shocked that Fitbit would even touch a topic like that, right? And alienate such a huge portion of their Not to mention if you're gonna if you're gonna make a claim like that, do it based on something other than it's hard. Because I've been a vegetarian and that wasn't pleasant either. Right. And yet that's never given as a reason why people shouldn't be vegetarians, Right. right? Like it's um and so I think that what happens is we get it, – it breeds two things. It breeds uh, a defensiveness, which I think is understandable, but I don't think is necessarily I, – I prefer to um, rebut with education rather than def- 
like I don't I don't want to defend my way of eating. I don't feel like I should have to. Instead, I want to educate you about why I make these choices. And the nice thing about my science background and my particular encyclopedic brain is I can I I can, I can get really dorky really fast. Uh but I don't think that you need to be able to do that in order to turn that discussion into a, a teachable moment. Um but the other thing that happens is you know, within the paleo community, we're seeing what are often called shades of paleo, right? So we're seeing um, a lot of different philosophies sort of get absorbed within the paleo movement. And so people are implementing paleo in very different ways. And I have, you know, some opinions about which ways are better approaches than others. But at the same time, what what's happening is there's like, my paleo is better than your paleo. And I think that when we start to do that within the community, um, then it's it's breeding a very negative space. And I think that when we have that kind of negativity, it becomes um it becomes this like competition, right? It's this one up. And that's where you get things like, oh, well, you know, you're not perfect, therefore and whatever it is, right? You're going gray in your middle age therefore paleo doesn't work right like whatever it is like i i feel like there's this um all of a sudden as part of this negativity there's this idea that if we're not achieving perfection or portraying perfection because that's what it really what it is nobody's achieving perfection it's just some people are trying to portray it and i think that um i think that that is that that is the beginnings of something that could undermine the entire movement, right? I don't think I don't think it is going like it's not undermining the entire movement, but I think it's the those first little inklings of um, something that you know when you start feeling like you can't be open about things that you have to represent your life as this perfect life thanks to your grass fed meat and local organic veggies, then I think that you're start you're starting to at that point um, if if you're censoring that much um or if and, and you're leading like leading people to expect that paleo will cure everything then i think that we're we're getting out of the realm of science and realism and sustainability and into propaganda which is not going to serve this movement in in any way in a, in a positive way that got really soapboxy and intense i didn't actually intend to do that I do think it's reflective of who we are and who our audience is, though. I mean, because I know, and I want to talk about a little bit in in context to the question, that there are different camps of paleo, I'll say. And one of the things that I really love about 99% of our audience is that that realism is something that is valued. And I remember when we were... um, working on our third book and we were really struggling with what the name should be. And I asked everybody, when you hear paleo parents, what, what word, singular word comes to mind? And almost 50% of the people said real. And that meant so much to me. And I, I think that it's because that's what our listeners identify with. So kudos to you all. Fist bumps, high fives. And I the hope- other 1% are disappointed in us right now. That's what you're saying. <laughs> the other 1% are like, and the other 1% are the people that I've had to ban from the Facebook wall because they're full of negativity and bringing, bringing the mojo down. 
Um, yeah. Notice those people. <laughs> All right. Um, what's this question? They're not our listeners. They're not our listeners. Let's yes. Let's talk about our question. So this question's anonymous, um, but it's a great question. We're going to read it anyways. Um, so one of the reasons, actually the biggest reason, why I can't seem to get back on the paley wagon is because I keep getting mad about not being able to cheat and eat like everyone else. I get mad about me needing to meal prep and go through the trouble of preparing every meal whilst everyone else can just get a sandwich with cheese or peanut butter for breakfast or lunch, and I am stuck with tuna salad, easiest thing I can think of to take to work without too much effort, which gets boring real quick. But even though my health is declining every week that I keep eating the bad stuff, and it isn't motivating me enough, um, but just gets me wound up even more. What can I do to find peace and accept my body and the fact that it just doesn't like me eating non-paleo food? My background with paleo. Started eating paleo five and a half years ago, felt an enormous positive change, and stayed on it until about one and a half year ago. Since then, I had so much stress and stuff going on that I couldn't be bothered, and just thinking about meal prepping and such stressed me out even more. I derailed from the paleo lifestyle and began eating more and more bread and processed foods and lots of takeout. This resulted in more health issues, and in October 2015, I was diagnosed with a light version of asthma on top of all other health issues, among things um, were allergies and digestive problems. This January, I did a Whole30 after months of preparing myself mentally to get back on track. The whole 30 didn't bring me the awesomeness it did five and a half years ago. I know this has something to do with the fact that I lead a way more stressful life now. I now work full time, have a man in my life who doesn't eat paleo and can't seem to find the time or energy to unwind and just have some me time anymore. I started walking to and from the train station on work days instead of taking my bike. These are 20 minute walks. I take the stairs at work, but that's about all the physical excitement I can get. I tried doing yoga but the 60 minutes of even the lightest versions were too hard for me, so I stopped going and, have ne and now have to quit. I have two questions that keep coming back to me, and I hope that you can help me with. So how can she find peace and accept her body and the fact that um, her, her body just doesn't like her going off of paleo? Well, I, I think the biggest thing here is – it's such a simple statement, but it's one of the most difficult, which is just focus on you. And I think, you know, one of the things that is both, you know, a blessing and a curse about the paleo community is that it is very active and insular and um, uh, some would say cult-like. <laughs> I'll just come out there and say it. Um and I think what um, what a, a lot of people do is they follow bloggers, podcasters, recipe writers um, for inspiration, both from a lifestyle perspective and a recipe perspective. And Sarah and I are both honored to participate in people's lives in that capacity. But I'll speak specifically for myself when I say that if what my family does doesn't work for somebody else or if it makes them feel pressured to do something like – well, anyway – if it makes them feel pressure to do something they're not ready for, I, frankly, don't follow me. Like, it's if it's not a good fit, then don't do it. You know, there are plenty of people, I'll be very honest, that I've had to stop following in the paleo community because um, there were too many dessert-like foods in their feeds. And I found that when I followed their blog or their media, that it made me crave foods or desire foods that I would normally 
not think of if it wasn't in my face. And I, I just think, you know, it wasn't like I needed to comment on that person negatively and say, what you're doing doesn't work for me because it's their life. It's their blog. It's their whatever. Like, I don't need to put my negativity on it. It just wasn't working for me. And so I made a choice to disengage. And then there are a lot of people who inspire me positively, who, you know, are either active physically or who, um, come up with food ideas that inspire me and make me want to eat healthier foods. And those people I really enjoy following and keep in my life. But if there's any sort of negativity associated with, you know, uh, participating in this community, I would just really encourage anybody um, to focus on themselves, what works for them, and to disengage from the things that are causing them stress. Because you and I have talked many, many times on the podcast before about stress being um, one of the largest contributors to negative health. And so for someone to feel, um, pressured or stressed or frustrated in some sort of way with anything, um, it's not going to be productive. I think the other thing to really help individuals, you know, stick, stick to a path for me personally, um, that mentality of, you know, on again, off again, um, on a, um, challenge is the word that I'll use or off a challenge, it creates negative space in my head in terms of how I think of food. And so reframing my mind to think about foods as nourishing, healing foods or foods that are treats and their choices that I make that are knowingly off the path of foods that are Healthful and healing really helped me frame my mind and naturally fit within kind of my goal, which is 80 20, right? So, um, if I'm focused on foods that I know to be really helpful and healing for my body, and I surround myself with those foods, I keep them in the drawer at my work, I make sure that they're in the home when I pack my lunch, that you know, the, the meals that are really easy for us and that I can have for leftovers are on a meal plan. When I set myself up for success with those things, it helps me to execute in terms of that success. And then I feel accomplished and proud because the thing went well for me. And that is a positive snowball effect versus negative. Um, I, I just feel like there's a whole lot of range of ways to approach paleo. You know, we wrote Real Life Paleo as the first alternative other than, you know, just jumping all in or going on a challenge because I really feel like there are so many people like this who struggle with it's all or nothing. And when they get off, they have so many health problems. And so for me, you know, I would highly encourage this person to check out Real Life Paleo or the ebook version, Three Phase Paleo. Um, and, and think about a different approach and maybe that'll work for this person. Maybe when, you know, your, your life is busy and you can't or don't want to, or you choose to make a different choice than to eat a paleo meal, there's some guidelines in there about, around what you can get from a takeout that won't necessarily completely derail you. And I think, you know, that's the approach that we take. We're not paleo perfectionists by any means, um, but certainly when we're on more than off, it is, um, it is helpful for us both mentally and physically. Uh, yeah. So I've got like two different sides of, of, 
um, of what I think I, I kind of want to add to that answer. One is um, that you sort of touched on it, which was the focus on uh, cherishing and nurturing ourselves. Um, and I can even translate that into there's a very strong physiological response. If you're stressed and if you're not getting enough sleep, it messes with your hunger hormones, it increases cravings, and it makes you less inhibited. So it makes you more likely to give in to cravings or to make the, the fast the easy choice. And so sometimes when, um, you know, I've known it in my own life for a long, long time that if I'm not getting enough sleep or, and if my stress is out of control, I have a really hard time controlling the food I shove into my face. It really becomes shoving food into my face at that point if I'm, if I'm sleep deprived and stressed. And so it's something that I have to maintain, like keep being very vigilant about um, even within the paleo framework, because I have this history of binge eating disorder and obesity that I have to, in part of my strategies for um, health now involve making sure that my stress doesn't get too out of control, making sure that I get at least eight hours of sleep every night, because when I don't, I can't control my food choices. I really, really do become very, very impulsive. Um, I end up sort of, you know, walking around the house looking for a treat. And if I can't find one, I make one. And if I can't make one, I'd go out and buy one. Like it becomes really like obsessive about, um, you know, finding these high reward, uh, highly palatable foods. And so if this woman has, you know, her whole lifestyle has kind of gotten to a point where it's much busier and it's much more stressful and she doesn't have as much time for herself anymore, then it may be as simple as instead of focusing on the food, focusing on that aspect of her life and trying to find the space in it, finding, you know, one of the things, I mean, everybody knows, you know, because of writing, um, my online program, go to bed that I'm really, really passionate about people getting enough sleep, getting enough sleep is the single best thing you can do to manage stress. Um, and it has some pretty dramatic influences on how the brain's working on mood. And it also really influences efficiency. So when we're getting enough stress, we tend to get more done during our waking hours. So when we're getting enough sleep, um, get more done during our waking hours. So we have this whole, like, I can't get that much sleep. I have this much to do. Um, and there's like a, transition period where you're paying down sleep debt and it really does feel like you're not getting everything done. But once you're actually sort of paid down that sleep debt and you're getting consistently enough sleep, you're getting so much more done during the day. You can even find that you have even more space than you thought you would. So you, you know, figured out how to give up an hour, an hour and a half in your day to, to add that to sleep. And you're like, now what am I going to do? And then you'll find, Oh no, wait, I'm getting double the amount done at work than I was before. And now I can, leave just that much earlier, whatever it is. Um, so I find that honing in on the lifestyle stuff, especially because she was paleo for four years. So she knows how to do it. So um, she's just finding it hard now with everything else that she has going on. So uh, rather than focusing necessarily on, you know, the food um, to, to, you know, like she knows what to do, but I think definitely finding more balance with the food choices. So like taking maybe the phase one in real life paleo as your approach right now. Um, maybe, um, you know, really embracing an 80, 20 rule um, and then focusing in on those lifestyle things and, and kind of letting that fall into place before tackling the food. It makes it a lot easier. 
the other thing that she mentions specifically is that she's eating a lot of takeout um, and that she's finding cooking to be or meal prep to be um, uh, a, a strain and that she's really jealous of these fast, quick to prepare meals. And I think, Stacey, it'd be worthwhile sort of doing a let's do like a, a three minute like brainstorm of some things that are like super fast, um, some strategies that might also kick her out of the boredom. Um, I think everybody can get into food ruts no matter what your diet is. Like food ruts just happen. And um, sometimes it just takes an, a new cookbook <laughs> to, or a new favorite, you know, prepackaged food or whatever it is, hopefully a healthy prepackaged food. But let's let's have a little like quick brainstorming session of some foods that might fit that bill of fitting into a super busy lifestyle, um, but and still be like delicious and really satisfying and all that that good stuff. Sure. So I think the first step is transitioning, and I think we'd be remiss to think that she wouldn't occasionally still happen into takeout. So I'll tell you the two things that, you know, we get takeout pretty often are Peruvian chicken. We also have a recipe on the blog that we actually, um, it's in Real Life Paleo, but we recently put it up on the blog because we had so many requests for it. Um, and that is really just a super simple prep if you want to make it yourself. But if you have Peruvian chicken, that's a better takeout option. Um, the other thing that I get when we, um, are needing to go out to eat um, other than burgers and salads, bunless burgers and salads, is I get egg foo young from Chinese takeout. Um, I just be mindful that those things are made with like really bad oils and MSG and that kind of stuff. So um, maybe, you know, have a plan of some things and we'll go, oh, we can do like a, um, a quick fire of meals that we make at home that are quick and easy. But I would say if, if people are desperate for like, what can I get when I'm out and, you know, running around or, you know, whatever. I know for me, I order like Jimmy John's at work. If I work late, sometimes those are, um, they do these things called unwitches. I don't even know if you know this, Sarah, cause I know you never eat out. Um, but Jimmy John's is like a subway place, but they make something called an unwitch that they wrap the meat and lettuce. And so you can just get like literally whatever kind of meat you want and vegetables wrapped in lettuce with, you know, mustard or whatever it would be perfectly paleo. Um, so th- those are the choices that I get. Um, we do, if we do eat out, which as you said, it's not very often, <laughs> we do tend to do like burger places that can either do a lettuce wrap or the kids will sometimes get like a gluten-free bun. Um, but like one of our meals while we were out on our trip was five guys and, um, you know, the kids didn't particularly like the lettuce wrap, but they ate all the different pieces separately and it was fine. Um, also i I think that the like deli section in grocery store, um, like rotisserie chickens, you know, simple steamed vegetables, um, raw vegetables in the bag, salads. Like I, I think that those kind of go underrated and there's enough, Companies now that are doing paleo sauces, paleo dressings, like those are really neat ways to mix up the flavor. So if you're, you know, don't really like salad, well, you can get five different salad dressings and mix it up and try and change out the vegetables, change out the dressing, change out the meat on it. 
like, and you can get a lot of variety that way. Um, there's more like, there's even like AIP barbecue sauces out there now. Like, have you seen the beet ketchup? Oh my gosh. Yes, I, I have. I can't, Uh, I can't say that I was as enthused about it as I was wanting to be. (laughs) I, I loved it. I was like, and I don't like ketchup. And I was like, oh, this is like ketchup, but better because it's beets. It it was, it was. Yeah, there's a ton of paleo sauces, even in stores themselves. And I'll say like Trader Joe's and Whole Foods both carry, uh, Trader Joe's carries like olive oil based stuff. And Whole Foods actually even carries Tesemes, which was originally started as a paleo brand. Um, and I know like you can get, like you said, salad mixes or pre-chopped vegetables and um, like Trader Joe's in particular has a really clean ingredient chicken that's already prepped and sliced. And you could just literally, it would take you two seconds. It would be just as long, if not shorter, to run into Trader Joe's to get, you know, your pre-bag salad and your chicken strips and to, you know, construct a salad at home versus ordering takeout and picking it up. And um, <clears throat> I know for me, uh, that's one of our go-to meals is like a salad or something like that. Um, We really, really like Costco's kale salad, and we have a recipe on our blog to recreate the exact dressing that's in that um, um, packet of like pre-bagged salad mix. So we just make one batch of salad dressing on a weekend, and then that kale salad lasts like all week long because it's a huge salad. Um, Things like that are, are really great to have on hand. Um, I'm trying to think other things that are really quick and easy. We do steaks and pork chops. We have, um, like a method on our blog and in our cookbooks where you just sear the outside and then put it in the oven. Um, and while it's cooking that like five to 10 minutes, depending on how thick it is, um, you can, you know, microwave some steamed vegetables or something like that. I mean, the Instapot is a really good, um, tool if you're trying to make things quickly. You can whip together hard-boiled eggs um, for an egg salad or, you know, scrambled eggs, frittata. Breakfast for gen- for dinner is one of our kids' favorite things, and it's yeah. so quick and easy to pull together um, at home. I just think, you know, you got to you gotta think, which is hard, especially when you're stressed and you're busy. Um, but like I said, if you, if you have some things on hand, if you create a list ahead of time, Like, these are the things that I know I can make in 10 minutes. You know, seafood is another really easy one that comes together quickly. Um, Or anything with ground beef, right? Yes. Like, you can take some ground beef and some vegetables and and some random herbs, and you've got something delicious. And, you you know, like, for us, we've been doing, you know, like a quick and easy meal plan every week, but you could even make it with just things that are either already pre-prepped in your fridge. I know um, in Well-Fed, there's a really great explanation of kind of what, what's called a weekly cook-up, if that works well for you, or just come up with a list of recipes that you know you can make in 10 minutes and have those foods in your home already pre-purchased. And then when you're out and you're on your way home and you're busy and overwhelmed, you can just be like, well, it would be a waste if I stopped and buy, bought some more food because I already have whatever it is at home prepared. So the last, the last quick point that I want to make is that she talks about having a man in her life who doesn't eat paleo, but there's a good opportunity to have a discussion here about meal prep that they can do together in meals that have like a component that's not paleo, but that the rest of the meal is something that she can have so they can eat the same food. So, right. 
meat, you know, steak and veggies is a paleo meal. So there's plenty of things that are going to be perfectly paleo and no one's going to bat an eye. But if you wanted to do pasta, you could do a sauce that's paleo and she could have it on uh, spaghetti squash noodles and you could have it on regular noodles. So there's a conversation there of like, how can he support her in her food choices um, that I think can be very, very helpful moving forward. Yeah. I, I think, you know, it's easier if you can just work within someone's food palette and make food that works for everybody. I mean, you can have the minute that I think you bring things into the home that are, you know, trigger foods or stress foods, um, and they're there and they're available, it makes things more difficult. So, you know, if for like a short amount of time, maybe you say for two weeks or for 30 days, can you just allow me to not have X, Y, or Z in the home? I mean, we, we did that two meal thing for a while with Matt and, um, it was really difficult from a willpower perspective to eat the spaghetti squash instead of, you know, the regular pasta. I did it it for two months when I first went paleo. So I was kind of doing meals where I could eat most of it or there was an easy swap for whatever the family was having. And then I decided they all needed to be paleo too, (laughs) but that was a long time ago now. So hopefully that, um, I think that was a really well-rounded discussion. I think we kind of tackled that from a lot of different, different areas. Um, do you have anything else you want to add? Best of luck to you and just worry about what's on your plate and how you want to feel and it'll make the choices easier. Here, here. Well, I guess we'll be back next week after a normal week. <laughs> normal week back. I'm going to have a normal week. You're going to have a normal week. We're all going to be normal. Or are you going to be normal? Well, I mean, relatively. I don't know that I've ever been normal. True, true. That, I mean, that really goes without saying. <laughs> Thanks for listening, everyone. We'll be we'll back see. next week. Thank you for listening to The Paleo View. If you enjoyed the show, please take a moment to rate us on iTunes. You can also support us by shopping for our favorite paleo products on the sidebars of our individual websites or by donating through PayPal. Hello. Hello. I don't know why my computer imploded. <laughs> Apparently it did. Well, I'm like, it said you were online. So when I was calling you and you weren't answering and then you texted me, I was like, uh-uh, nope, I am not late. Totally so, not me. I was totally here at a minute to eight and I was just waiting and I was, well, I'll just write this email and I'll, like, cause it shows you as a way. So I was like. I mean, they're not ready yet, you know, big, exciting weekend, whatever. And then I'm like, okay, it's like eight minutes after. This is getting a bit ridiculous. We got to get the show on the road. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, so I didn't see, I didn't see any of it. And then it, I restarted, tried to restart Skype and it just froze my entire computer. So then I just restarted my entire computer. And now, now I can see all the missed calls. <laughs> I was like right here, headset on, looking dorky and everything. It's awesome. It was it was just amazing. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. 
With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.